Second Timothy chapter 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they followed the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more God godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone 
with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourselves pure, you will be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Thank you, Eve. Fantastic. The Word of God is always a sharp sword. Richard's going to come and share with us about Timothy. And uh, we're just going to pray for him now as he does that. Thank you, Richard. So, Lord, we want to thank you for Richard. We want to thank you for the way you've been speaking to him. We want to thank you for all the things that you've given him to share with us for our growth and edification. And we just praise you for that. We ask, Lord, that above everything else, you open our ears and our hearts to hear what it is that you're trying to tell us today, that we'll hear it, receive it, and obey it. Lord, bless Richard, unburden him of the things you've given him, give him boldness and confidence that your hand of favor rests on him as he shares. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Good morning. Just going to organize myself. Thanks. Swift of water. You all look great this morning. Well done. Put some effort in. It's looking good. It's just to put you at ease, don't worry. So, I just want to start with a challenge this morning. Well, it was a challenge to me here in the scripture, and I've been reading it this week. Sorry it was such a long bit, but I almost feel like it's not really necessary to preach. Uh, we could just read stuff like that, and there is so much there, and I trust that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you already this morning. And that's great. Uh, if he has and it's enough, then I don't want to add to that. Just, just stay in your head. Um, but I want to bring a challenge first before we even kind of begin to look at this this morning. I want to challenge you to think about how big is your God? 
I want to repent and say that I realized yesterday in, in something that came up that I put God in a box so much and I put the lid on tight and God is limited to the size that I've allowed him to be in my life and I my faith level I'm not saying I have to suck up my own faith you know it comes from God but I limit the amount of faith that I'm I'm able to receive I think because I when I pray I don't necessarily expect that something will happen I I maybe pray in vain hope or because it's a good thing to do and I was challenged on that yesterday and I just wanted to share that in case it resonates with anybody else that we sing lots of songs about God being big and being powerful and making the universe and very often I think it doesn't go home to me is it just me so Simon's just going to help us with a chorus of a song one or two people might know this it's it might be familiar it goes kind of can we stand up and uh anyone know that one I'm going to turn my mic off. Thank you. Praise God, because you are so big. Maybe that's just expanded my horizon, ready to uh, talk this morning. But maybe it's expanded yours as well. Um, I want to ask you to pray for something quickly as well. This is quite a practical talk this morning. You've had to sing, and now you're going to have to pray. Um, Right now, as we speak, there is a boot camp happening in Chorley. Um, There's seven guys on it. Uh, I, I won't go into too much detail what a boot camp is, but these guys have set themselves apart for six weekends this year to learn more about God, learn about their identity in Jesus, learn about their calling and go on with their faith. And it's a really good thing they're doing. I was there yesterday helping. Alan Vincent runs it. He's not very well at the moment, so I helped out yesterday. I can't be there today because I'm here. Um, but I just wondered if maybe for 30 seconds I could ask you all to pray in your heads or out loud as you please at the same time for the guys that are doing boot camp and for Alan Vincent who needs some healing in his body. And I know that the prayer of faith is a powerful thing and that's what I've been challenged on this week and I want to ask you to join in me in praying for these guys who right now are probably going to their main session of the weekend, a video that is uh, going to challenge them. And then in 30 seconds I'll just pray out loud and close. Then I'll begin, I promise. Yeah, thank you, God, for all these prayers. Thank you for boot camp. Thank you for the work that Alan is doing over there. We pray that you would strengthen his frame and fill him with your Holy Spirit and bring healing to his body. In Jesus' name, we pray for those seven guys that have come to receive something and want to go on in their walk with you and be disciples. We pray that they'd receive from you what they each need to receive now. In Jesus' name, amen. Apparently, the conditions required for a miracle are quite simple. You just need an impossible situation.
So we've been looking at disciples. Uh, a disciple is a follower. In our context, a follower of Jesus. Uh, last week we looked at Thomas. That was Sue. Uh, doubting Thomas or believing Thomas or questioning Thomas. Thomas, Thomas. Thomas the disciple. Um, and he was one of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus on earth and was picked by Jesus and travelled with him in his ministry. Um, the New Testament mentions quite a lot of disciples. Um, they're also disciples of Jesus, um, but they're also going to be disciples of other people in the church who are discipling them, people who are telling them about the faith, people who are helping them move on in the faith. Um, um, but ultimately, they're being pointed towards Jesus. And although there are quite a lot of disciples mentioned in the New Testament, we don't often know that much about them. Um, we often get what's written to them in a letter, from Paul often, um, but we don't kind of have any, or many biographical accounts about these disciples, which is a bit of a shame, really. Maybe there's stuff outside of the Bible that I don't know much about. Um, last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, John was mentioning the Apocrypha, and uh, I was almost tempted to go there this week, but I don't know enough about it, so I've, I've not done that. Um, so yeah, with Jesus, we've got lots of stories about what he did when he was here on earth. Um, with lots of Old Testament characters, we've got lots of stories about things they did and what happened. And in the New Testament, we have a lot more letters about what's going on in the church, asking these leaders or these disciples to take action and change what they're doing. So today's disciple, was anybody listening? Timothy. Um, and maybe Timothy's a little bit of an exception. We know a little bit more about Timothy because he was so close to Paul. Uh, than we do about some of the other New Testament characters. And I thought we've maybe not had enough Bible reading this morning, so I've put in another five verses for you. Uh, we're going to pick up the story when we first hear about Timothy in Acts. Uh, and I'm going to read it with you off the screen. So this is from the beginning, uh, Acts 16, uh, verses 1 to 5. Paul is on his second ministry trip. Um, so it says, Paul went first to... Can we call that Derby? Because I, I quite like that. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by all the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. That could stay up for a minute or two, Andy. That's, that's fine. So we know a little bit about Timothy. He had a Jewish mother, but his father was Greek. So he's kind of mixed race. Um, he therefore, because his, his dad wasn't Greek, he wouldn't have been circumcised, uh, which we'll come to in a minute. It's possible, I'm hypothesizing here, that Timothy had heard the good news about Jesus on Paul's first ministry journey, where he went around and told people, and then had matured and advanced in his faith and appeared at the second trip where we read there. Um, on this trip, Paul hears about Timothy, and the reason he hears about him that we're told is because he has an excellent reputation. Isn't that good? Don't we look up to those people, or maybe hate them? Or, or aspire to be them, or wish they didn't exist. I don't know, maybe a bit of both. Um, 
We know that Timothy had a heritage of, of faith in the family. His grandmother had chosen to believe. His mother had chosen to believe. So we've got um, Lois and, and Eunice. Um, Paul saw a good thing in Timothy and said, I'll have a bit of this, and took him under his wing. Um, he very much became a spiritual father to him. Maybe there's something there in the fact that his dad was a Greek and probably not a believer. We hadn't heard that he'd responded to the message. Um, Timothy started traveling with Paul ultimately, and he started seeing people become believers. The number of people grew larger every day. And we also hear that Paul decided to circumcise Timothy. Now, this normally happened to babies. They cry a lot anyway. Uh, uh, Adults, I don't know how much it would hurt, but I can only imagine uh, what an experience that was for Timothy. Um, The reasons are interesting, though, because we're told elsewhere that the Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised and didn't need to become Jews. Um, everybody knows what circumcision is. Yeah, yeah. The knowing laughs were, uh, were enough. Um, but Paul didn't want it to get in the way of the Jews. There are lots of Jewish people who knew Timothy and knew that his dad was a Gentile and knew that he wouldn't be circumcised. And Paul didn't want to put anything in the way in taking Timothy round to minister to these Jews. I mean, I... I presume they don't kind of have a show-and-tell thing for the Jewish leaders, kind of, well, he's not circumcised, well, how do you know? Because his dad's a Greek, is how they knew. I had to work on that one a bit. Um, However, the good thing about his mixed background, it made him ideal for reaching out to the Jewish nation who Jesus had come and were expecting, but also to the Gentiles who weren't the Jewish nation, and really in this story, we're the closest thing to. Um... From what I've read, Timothy was probably in his late teens or maybe early 20s when Paul came across him in this story. Um, He probably stayed traveling with Paul until he was around 30. It might have been, I don't know, 10, 13 years, something like that, that he was with Paul. Um, And then, ultimately, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus at the church there um, to help the leaders, to speak to the church, to encourage the believers to see more people believe in Jesus, because they had some things going on there that they needed some help with. It seems to all be going on at the church in Ephesus, really, didn't it? They had had some tough stuff. Um, And while Timothy was in Ephesus, Paul wrote two letters to him. Uh, They're called Timothy 1 and Timothy 2. Uh, I don't think Paul actually wrote that on his letter. We've added that later. Um, And 2 Timothy was the last letter, I think, that Paul ever wrote. Maybe, maybe, I could say a lot of things like that, couldn't we, today? Maybe, Second uh, Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote when he was in prison and near death. And I think it does have a certain tenderness in 2 Timothy, that you hear, you know, somebody's last words, when somebody's dying and they get their family around them or something, those words are something that people hang on. And what struck me in 2 Timothy is Paul is saying the most important things to him, the things he really wants, wants Timothy to hear as well as a little bit of a a strange bit of humanity that the Bible often lacks. You know, we don't kind of hear about many bodily functions or things in the Bible. But right at the end of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, "Um, can you try and pick up the winter coat I left with so-and-so at such-and-such a place and get that for me? And then a couple of verses later, he says, and make sure that when you visit, it's soon and before the winter. And I'm just sharing that to share the humanity of Paul in prison in Rome. He wants his winter coat. That's the man who wrote this letter. 
We don't get many stories about people needing their coat in the Bible. Um, so yes, today's reading was a long one. Um, it was from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, it was the New Living Translation. And I'd just like to go through it, not every single verse in much detail, but I'd like to share the themes that I'm reading uh, and I'm hearing when I've gone through this and God's highlighted to me. Um, but just before I go into that, I want to highlight this chapter. We're talking about discipleship. And I, I, another word that's worked for me for discipleship has been coaching. Somebody pushing you on and spurring you on. When I try and do stuff on my own without getting help, it, it often it's a good idea, but then it maybe fizzles out. Or it's a good idea and I carry on with a crazy idea because nobody said, oh, you might just want to rein that in a little bit. Um, I run a business and I have a coach he's sat at the back and he's wearing pink he always is, he's called Mark and uh, he's great but he makes sure that when I'm in my business I put some blinkers on and when I say I've been thinking about such and such he says let's explore that for a minute okay let's, let's leave that now then and, um, but other things he says I think you need to think about that some more and I think you need to go on with this some more so this letter that's written to Timothy not to us, not to the church in Ephesus it's to Timothy is to spur Timothy on. He is being coached, he is being trained. And it's written as such in quite a compelling, persuasive, preachy kind of a way. It's saying, come on, do this, try this, push for this, persevere. And there's a danger that we could read this, and I could expand it now, and you could think that you will earn your salvation by trying hard. And let me tell you now, and I've told you probably every time I've spoken, you won't. You get your salvation because of what Jesus did on the cross, and that is done and paid for, and you are saved if you're in Jesus. If you identify with him and choose to follow him and not turn your back on him, you're in. And he is faithful. Uh, So don't hear that from me at all this morning. Um, Andy, I'm going to whiz through the verses and say which one I'm referring to. He's going to put them back on the screen, and he's going to try and keep up. If he doesn't, you could just say, Andy. <laughs> Click your fingers. Thanks, Andy. He's great. Verse 1. Be strong, not in yourself, but through God's grace. That grace has been given. And he, we could go into lots of other verses on this one. But he's not made you to be weak. He's not made you to be fearful. He's made you to be strong. And he has given you the grace to be strong. So step into that. Verse 2. Um, remember that Timothy is a leader in the church, and he's being told that what he needs to do is teach others what he's been taught. What he knows about Christ, he's to pass it on so that other people know. But what's more, he's been told to prioritize passing it on to people who will pass it on to other people. That's how faith spreads. It's like pyramid selling. (laughs) The original pyramid selling. It's probably not a phrase the Egyptians used. Sorry, just give you a moment. Uh, The next little section, verses 3 to 7. Paul says, don't get distracted. Don't give up from the journey that is faith. To please God, we've got to stick it out. And I think I'm terrible at sticking at things. I am full of ideas, as Mark will tell you. But carrying them out, not so good. And then... Our experience of people in the Bible is that the fullness of what God's got for you doesn't happen like that. Sometimes God changes things quickly and things shift and things move to a different season. But throughout your spiritual life, your spiritual journey, you will start in one place 
And a few years later, you'll realize you're not in that place anymore. And when you get nearer the end, if you know that that's where you are, um, then you'll realize you've come a long way. But we still won't be there yet. And it is a journey. And to get somewhere, we have to stick it out, whatever is going on. Verse 8. Now, this is kind of a little crucial one. that he, I think he felt like I've been having a bit of a, bit of a hammering at home already, so I'm just going to stick in there. Don't forget the gospel. Jesus was raised from the dead. That's what it's all about. It's not about trying hard. All that's wraparound. The core is that Jesus died, uh, that we might be saved, and that we might experience the fullness of life that he promised. Um, I really like this next little section, verses 11 to 14. This is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. So if we give up our life, we gain our life. It's really topsy-turvy, but if we hold on to our life, then the opposite's true. We don't get the fullness of life that Jesus promised. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. I thought about this quite a bit. That's challenging, isn't it? If we deny him, then he says, that's fine, you don't, that's okay. If we're unfaithful, however, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So there seems to be a difference between being unfaithful to God, which I do every day, um, faithfully, unfaithfully, um, and actually denying who he is and walking away. If we deny who God is and walk away, then he says, okay, that's your choice, that's fine. But if we're unfaithful, which, I don't know, maybe one or two of you have that issue sometimes as well. You do something that's, that's not what he's wanted you to do, or you don't do what he has wanted you to do. Then he's faithful because he can't deny who he is. That is who he is. He's a faithful God that sticks with us and just keeps looking as our father for when we're going to come around, when we're going to come back. I like that. Even when we mess up, he still comes after us. Verse 15 Work hard for God's approval. Correctly explain the truth. People don't really like being told to work hard. But do you work hard for other people's approval? I do. (laughs) I was praying in the prayer meeting this morning. God, please just kill pride in me. It takes over. It stops me doing what you want me to do and makes me do things that aren't even actually me. It makes me do things that I think I should look like or I should be like. But if we work hard for God's approval, then there's no pride in that. Um, and correctly explain the truth that he's given us. Verses 16 to 18, stick to the truth. We can't change what God's truth is. He's the king. He's decided what it is. Um, Don't uh, avoid the pointless talk. You could take people away from Jesus. You could confuse them. Um, And then straight into verse 19, God's truth doesn't change. I I think what God was saying to me in this bit was just, Don't exchange his truth for something more comfortable or for the periphery bits. Back in verse 8, you know, remember the resurrection, remember Jesus, stick to the core. Don't exchange God's truth for something else. You can be used by God for something amazing. Verses 20 and 21, it has this kind of slightly strange um, metaphor of utensils in a kitchen that we have these kind of really nice utensils Perhaps made of gold. Does anyone have gold in their kitchen? No. Maybe fine silver. And you pull it out. No, not in Graham's kitchen. I don't have any silver in my kitchen. But maybe you have the best stuff that you use when people come round or at Christmas. And maybe you have the, the normal stuff that 
kids use or you use or what have you. And um, there's also utensils in the kitchen that are for doing jobs that aren't so nice. Maybe they're the gloves you keep for unblocking that drain that fills up or the plunger or, I don't know, the toilet brush in the, in the loo. But the, the, this, the picture here is that in this kitchen there's many utensils and we could treat ourselves like one of the lesser utensils that, that's everyday and ordinary or we could choose to live a pure life and set ourselves apart so that we're one of the special utensils that God holds in high honour. I hope that God's speaking to you in this because I don't want to try and say what it is he's saying exactly because I think there's a lot of depth in the story itself and in the holding on to that. Avoid the things that could tempt you away from a pure life. Spend time, not only with, but do spend time with people that also follow Christ. That coaching, um, we've talked about it in discipleship where you have perhaps somebody that that feeds in, someone that's further on on the journey, someone that knows more and coaches you on. But you also have people around you that are also on the journey. You're sat around them right now. But spend time with those people. Talk about your faith. And um, get encouraged, get spurred on. Um, And then the last few verses, he says again, he repeats, don't get into pointless arguments. Did anyone ever get into pointless arguments? Yes, one person. Two people, brilliant. Three, yeah, there's more. Um, sometimes I think that all the arguments I get involved in aren't pointless, and I can witness other people's arguments. They're not here today. Mark and Karen were round for dinner the other night. Um, I'm not talking about them behind their backs. I'll tell them I told them afterwards. Um, and we played a board game after dinner, and, and James and Emily were there too. But Mark and Karen just came to these points of disagreement a few times on some of these questions in the board game, these weren't even pointless Christian disagreements. These were pointless uh, game disagreements. And the rest of us were kind of sat waiting for the next question in the game. Well, they resolved who could convince the other they were right. And um, it's not quite what it's talking about, but <laughs> I make the point that other people's pointless arguments look pointless to us, but sometimes we don't spot what's pointless in our own... Don't. Don't argue about the things of your faith that are futile and aren't going to make any difference to the core. Don't waste your time. Uh, Now, the bit that challenged me the most, I'll be honest, from the whole of this passage uh, was telling us to be kind and patient with people, which I wasn't being on Friday night. Uh, Even with difficult people and people that have walked away from the truth. So where you might think, Somebody's in opposition to what you're preaching. Somebody's been difficult in the church. Somebody's been difficult in your home group. One of your friends is, is disagreeing with some, somebody. I kind of polarize people. I kind of, you know, people that are in and people that are out. Good people, bad people. I, I judge people all the time. It's terrible. But what this is telling us to do is just be patient with those people. Keep being gentle. Keep stating the truth. Gently, I put gently in capitals, there's something a bit wrong about shouting gently, but gently. Um, Because it says that God might change their hearts, and they might then come back to the truth, and all that truth has gone in. So don't write people off. Don't give up. Keep, Keep at it. Gently, not piously. So that is 2 Timothy 2, with a whistle stop tour of it, it really is. Um, In conclusion, Uh, I think that we have a lot of the opportunities that Timothy had. And the two main ones that I'll give you is that in being a disciple himself, he had people around him, his family, 
people had come and spoken, other people in the church, who were also following Jesus. So he wasn't going it alone in his faith. He had people around. And I think it would be hard for anyone in this room to say they were going it on their faith completely alone because they're sat in a room full of people and they're hearing other people encourage them too. So you have people around you. And he also had the opportunity to make new disciples because there were people there who hadn't heard the message about Jesus yet. Now, if you don't have that opportunity, then your world is maybe a little bit small and you might want to pray about expanding it. But I suspect that all of us come into contact with non-Christians in our normal life. So those two core opportunities to be a disciple and to tell other people about Jesus, we share with Timothy. Um, Faith is a journey. We don't get it all day one. Hang in there like Timothy did. Use the opportunities that you've been given and see where God wants to use you. Don't presume because it hasn't happened day one that it's not going to happen. And if you've previously done something for God and now it feels like it's maybe not happening, don't presume that was it. It's a journey. God keeps doing stuff in our lives. Stay faithful. If we make an agreement with Satan in our life, and I'll make it sound less spiritual than that, if we decide to not go the way God has put in front of us, not to obey what he's given us or to do the thing he's clearly said to us, then we make an agreement with Satan that he can have that bit of our life and we hand it over to him and give him the keys. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our freedom. Amen? Amen. Once and for all, let's not give it back to Satan and give him any dominion in our life. Whatever we've sacrificed, whatever we've compromised... Let's say, Jesus, I want your fullness. I want you in the whole of my life, and I want the fullness of life that you promised. I don't want any of the uh, false things that the enemy would give instead. And the good news, we know the ending of this story. God wins. He's already won, and his victory is being worked out here on earth. There is a battle still going on, but he has won. Don't be tempted to give in. Stick it out. Wait for God to reveal his plan don't make your own. And sometimes that also has to include the, I'm going to do this unless you tell me not to, God, because we're not actually that good at listening. That's for me. (laughs) Sometimes it's, I'm going to wait until you speak to me, God, until I hear your voice. Before I pray, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Then go and do it. What the world needs is you fully alive. So I'm going to use that as your prayer. If you want to join in, just say amen at the end. So thank you, God, for your words. Thank you for Timothy and the example that he is in the faith. Thank you that we have the opportunities Timothy had. And thank you for the excitement that serving in your kingdom is. Thank you for the excitement we get when we lead people uh, to you. Thank you for the excitement of your kingdom growing and it being something we can be a part of. God, I just pray that you would be speaking to each of us right now. I pray that you'd be pulling down the, the falseness that we kind of put up sometimes, God. Pulling down all that we've made ourselves that isn't true to who you've made us. And I pray that you'd be restoring in our hearts what it is you've made us to do. Before the beginning of the world, you conceived us and you knew exactly who we would be and who you wanted us to be. God, I pray that you would birth that anew in our hearts today. 
Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and give us the freedom. Give us the freedom to be who you made us to be. Help us not to be boxed in any longer. Help us not to be boxed in by what other people think or by what we look like. Help us know that we've got enough, we've got what it takes, and that you've put it all in us. Help us respond to you, God, and trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen.